Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Decisions, decisions, decisions. I, I feel like I say this every time I preach, but I really, really, really am excited about this message. I'm excited about this sermon series. I think a part of the reason why I'm excited about this sermon series is because there is not a question I get asked more often than some version of the question, so pastor, what do I do? For some people, it's a couple that's coming for guidance. For others, it, you know it's going to get serious. There's a whiteboard out this morning, okay? So you're going to get real. Um, for, for some people, it's, a, it's, it's a, a marriage situation. Some people are praying about moving, relocating. Some people are praying about taking a job, whether a promotion or not, uh, going to school or, or not. And I want you to know, as, evid- as, as, as evidence in Ephesians 5.17, I want you to know what you want to know. And you want to know what you want to know. But nobody wants you to know more the right decision to make than Jesus Christ. You need to know that. Because I think for some people, we feel like God withholds those decisions or those choices from us. That he withholds his wisdom or his advice. And and that's not true. Like the verse says, he wants you to understand what the Lord's will is. And so if you are coming into the month of February with a bunch of decisions to make, this is your sermon series. We are going to spend the next four weeks, and each week builds on the week before it, so you don't want to miss. And the very last week is going to be the best week. This week is going to be real good. I'm really excited about week three. Week two is also excited. I'm excited about the whole thing. You can probably tell. Uh, so you don't want to miss. This is going to be great. And we're going to spend the next four weeks talking about what, it, what is God's will and how do I find it for my life. And when we say God's will, what we really mean is God's desire to see you make the right decision. Because how many people know it can be hard to know what the right decision is for some decisions that we face in life? It's interesting to me that of the very few things an 80-year-old man and an 8-year-old boy have in common, uh, one of the very few things that they have in common is that uh, they have to make decisions. Am I right? Uh, People are making decisions their entire life. Decisions are relentless. They come at you at such a fast pace. I did some study and some research and found out that the average person faces 35 thousand decisions a day. 35,000 decisions a day, which sounds like a lot, but it makes sense when you get up in the morning. Do I have coffee? Do I not have coffee? I don't know how the caffeine's going to do. Okay, I'm going to have coffee. If I'm going to have the coffee, do I use creamer or do I use milk or do I use half and half? I'm going to put sugar. Do I do sugar or do I do Splenda? I heard Splenda gives cancer. I'm going with sugar. From the sugar, do I do white sugar or brown sugar? You know what? Forget coffee. I'm not going to drink coffee. I'm going to do tea, but what kind of tea? I got eight bags of tea. I'm not sure. Do I put the tea in first or the water in last? I'm confused. Decisions, right? You got up here to to come to church today. You had some decisions to make. What do I wear? Do I do my hair curly or straight? The ladies, you know what I'm talking about. And I can relate. I now have that same question to ask myself in the morning, and I hate that. I don't feel very manlike when I have to ask myself that question and when it starts raining and I go hiding for cover. <laughs> like, this is not, this is a problem. <laughs> you know, I wear a lot of hats now. Um, and so 
you know, we make a lot of decisions. Do I, uh, what route do I take to work? Do I even go into work? I'm feeling sick. Maybe I'm not sick. Maybe I am sick. Maybe I should call in. How many sick days do I have? Um, and, and the problem is, alongside these small decisions are these really big decisions. Do I date this person? Do I break up with this person? Do I marry this person? Do I go to college? If so, what college should I go to? When I do go to that college, what should be my major? Should I have a minor or should I do a double major or a major minor? I don't know. Maybe I'll just... No, I'm not going to college. You don't need to go to college. But if I'm not going to go to college, then I need a job. Where am I going to work? Where do I want to work? Do I get married? Do I get divorced? Been married for two years. Is it time to have a kid? Been married eight years. Is it time to have another kid? Decisions. And I think we're put in a bad position... Because we're making small decisions so fast, sometimes the friendly fire of the small decisions puts pressure on the big decisions. And we make the big decisions just as quickly as we make the small decisions. And we got to be careful. And I think God says that there's a better way. He doesn't want you to live like, like that. He doesn't want you to be just running into or rushing into or pressured into decisions. He's saying understand what God's will is because most people, unfortunately, when they make a decision, they either make a thoughtless or foolish decision. And God says it right there. He says, I don't want you to make a thoughtless decision. You know what a thoughtless decision is? A thoughtless decision is you make a decision and you didn't think about the consequences. Like it always surprises me when a couple comes up to me and says, and they're pregnant, and they come up to me and they say, I don't know how it happened. And I'm like, you don't? Well, this is going to be a long conversation. They don't really mean they don't know how it happened, right? What they really mean is we didn't think this would happen. Don't be thoughtless in your decision-making. Some people are thoughtless with their finances. Don't be thoughtless with your finances. Some people are thoughtless with their bedtime. Don't be thoughtless with your bedtime. Don't be thoughtless at work, right? Because you will eventually have to wake up to go to work. <laughs> you will eventually have to retire 20-something. You should put something away for retirement. I know that the Gangnam water is nice. That's like a joke for one person in this room. This is, I just totally blew up their spot. Um, there are two people in this room. But you need to retire one day, and so maybe not spend $5,000 on water. Maybe put some money away in your 401K. Got to think it through. Now, for other people, it's not a thoughtless decision they make. It's a foolish decision. Now, the word foolish can be offensive to us, but really it's not an offensive word God's really trying to help us, and we don't use foolish in our vernacular too often, and so it's easy to lose sight of what that word means, foolish. But if I give you some historical context of when Paul used it in this book, in this verse, then it makes more sense. He's writing to the Ephesians. The Ephesians live in a city named Ephesus, and Ephesus was known for witchcraft, fortune-telling, and divination. In fact, in Acts chapter 19, I believe, Paul comes, preaches the gospel, and everybody gives up all of their spell books, all of their witchcraft, all of their fortune-telling devices, all of the tarot cards. They throw it in a fire. They burn it. And the uh, Bible says about $6 million worth of books and witchcraft was burned on that day. And so I really think in this context, what Paul is regarding as foolish is, hey, when you're making a decision, make sure you're going to the right source for advice. Because sometimes we can go to the wrong source for advice. I think there's three wrong sources that we usually go to. The first wrong source that we usually go to is the mystical. And you don't need the mystical. Like, don't look at the tarot cards. Don't pull out the Ouija board. Don't read the horoscope. Like, and some of you guys, well, I don't do any of that. I'm not weird like that. Yeah, but you're weird in other ways. Like, like things happen in nature, and you get meaning from it that you're not supposed to get. 
Like it's October, you go outside and like a leaf falls in front of you, like it's a leaf. I think God is telling me to leaf my family. Leaf my family, because that's what that leaf, that's what that leaf means. Pastor, I was walking to my house and a leaf. No, it's fall. It's, it's fall. Stay with your family, right? Or you'll you have dinner, it's chicken. You know? And you're like, I think God's telling me to quit my job and stop being a chicken. No. It's leftovers. Like it's, it's what's for dinner. Don't, don't be weird like that, okay? Don't look for meaning where there is no meaning. And, and we oftentimes pull the meaning that we want out of those things anyway. Not the really thing that God's trying to tell us. I think another bad source for counsel and advice would be the wrong people. And I want to say the wrong people because I think there's some good people in our lives who give us great advice. But too often we surround our, ourselves with people who are more wounded than they are wise. And their advice becomes filtered through their hurt instead of your health. And so you got to be careful you don't surround yourself with bad people who are just telling you things that they went through. And projecting their failures onto your future. Don't, 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 don't wake away for those people. But I think the most common form of foolishness when it comes to decision making, the worst source is ourselves. There are some people who honestly believe it doesn't matter what decision I'll make because people make bad decisions all the time. And this is their mantra. This is their motto. This is their maxim. Live and learn. I'll just do this and learn. Do this and learn. That's foolish. I got a better motto for you. Learn from those who have lived. Zane, my three-year-old, almost died two weeks ago at the breakfast table. You're laughing at my son almost died. True story. We're sitting at the breakfast table, and he loves to laugh. He's a laugher, great sense of humor. And he starts eating and laughing. And I tell him, Papi, don't talk with food in your mouth. You will choke. <laughs> You're going to choke with food in your mouth. <laughs> sure enough. Liz and I are like. A part of us is like. I told you so. <laughs> the evil parent inside is like, good for you. And then the, the parent inside of you is like, oh, snap, my son's dying. Like, you got to do something about this, you know. And so, you know, he got it out eventually. And, uh, and, and, now, and now, though, now I'll talk with food in my mouth at the table. And he'll be like, daddy, don't talk with food in your mouth. If you talk with food in your mouth around my son, he'll straight up correct you. Yeah, because near-death experiences have a way of marking you for life, Right? But he didn't have to go through that, right? He could have learned through what I've lived. Because I remember in the fifth grade, Robert Shalinsky. And I remember him, him laughing so hard at the lunch table that milk came out of his nose and he almost died. I remember Robert. I remember, and I was trying to give my son some advice on the things that I've seen. I've seen it. And because I've seen it, you should do what I say because I've Seen it. Now, I'm going to tell you something that is going to freak you out or it's going to give you the most peace and most comfort you've ever experienced. You haven't lived it yet, but God's seen it. Now, that could freak you out because what does that mean? Does that mean that God saw that? Are you telling me that God knew I was going to do this before I did this? Are you telling me that? You like that, right? Ooh. Anyway, uh, are you telling me? That God saw all those things 
That's freaky. Yeah, it's freaky, but don't get freaked out. It could also give you peace. Well, how does something that weird give me peace? It's like if you watched a scary movie three times. I don't know why you would do that, torture yourself. But imagine you watched a scary movie three times, okay? And the third time you watch it, the girl, because it's always a girl, right? And she, she's walking, and she sees the house, and it's always a house. How many people know on the other side of that TV, we're like, girl, keep walking. Do not go in the house. But it's raining. Keep walking. Don't go in the house, right? You're shouting at the TV, giving the girl advice. Not because you're in it, but because you've seen it. I want God's will for my life because he's seen it. When we talk about God's will and coming to God for God's direction and God's guidance and God's help in my decisions in my life, it's not because God doesn't want us to follow his will because God's mean. God doesn't want us to follow his will because God's cruel. God doesn't want us to follow his will because he wants us to live a life that is not fun or does not have excitement. God wants us to follow his will because he's seen the movie. And he's shouting at us like, Bobby, keep walking. Bobby is not it. I seen Bobby. I know what Bobby's going to do. Girl, just keep walking. There's a Richard about one mile down the road. Richard is for you. Keep walking past Bobby. But Bobby's cute. Girl, I seen the movie. Bobby got problems. Richard got problems too, but not that kind of problems. Keep walking. That's why we want to follow God's will. And so if you follow God's will in life, if you come to him for guidance and advice and and direction on the plans for your life and on decisions that you make, you will be assured to to fulfill every bit of ounce of potential inside of you, every dream, every achievement that you've ever wanted to accomplish. All of that is waiting for you in God's will. Every, Every pitfall is highlighted. Every mile marker is highlighted. All you got to do is follow the plan. Now, if you've grown up in church your whole life, you're thinking, well, that's great, Pastor JJ, but that's not really something I've never known before. I, I've always known that God's will is good for me. What I have not been able to find is what is God's will. And if you're new to church, you're hearing this for the first time, saying, well, that sounds really good as well, but I also want to know how to find God's will. So, all right, well, let's do that. We're going to do that today. And uh, in the worship guide that you were given, there's a place for notes. I want you to write notes. This is good. I mean, this is going to be a podcast, I believe, you're going to refer to over and over again, but you want to follow along with me because it's going to be easier. We're going to break God's will up into three levels, okay, because this is the best way to understand it. Anybody visual learners here? I'm a visual learner. I need to see it. And so uh, we're going to break God's will into three levels, all right? And, uh, and, and we're also going to provide an analogy to help it make even more sense. So the first level of God's will that we are going to talk about is his I should have learned how to spell this when I was practicing. I think this is it, sovereign. His sovereign will. Okay, somebody say sovereign. Sovereign, all right? And we're also going to use the uh, analogy of a journey, all right? So, like, this is you, okay? And this is the journey of life. By the way, there's a reason why I'm drawing the journey of life like this and not like this. Some people think the Christian life is like this. You just go from glory to glory, from blessing to blessing. Psych. I'm sorry, I've lived this Christian life, and guess what? It is ups and it is downs. The important thing is not the ups and the downs, it's that you keep going. That's what's important. So this is a lot like the Christian life here, okay? And so, so we're going uh, to 
this is God's will for your life. And the first thing we're going to talk about is sovereign. What does the sovereign will mean? Yeah, thank you for the lights because they're going to be taking notes. Sovereign. So what does sovereign mean? It means God does what God wants to do. And nobody can stop him. Nobody can stop him. This is God's sovereign will. We read in the Bible uh, that a man named Abraham, who was 100 years old, God told him, you're going to have a son. He was 100. Things weren't working. They needed to be working to have a son at 100. We know that because he literally laughs when God tells him that. But you know what? He has a son at 100. God tells a man named Moses, who's 80, that he's going to go into the most powerful nation in all the world, at that time Egypt, and deliver one million slaves. That sounds impossible, but you know what? God said it, and it happened. God told this one prophet, his name was Isaiah, that he himself was going to step down from heaven, take on the form of a baby, and be born. And not just born from anything or anyone, but be born from a virgin. And you know what? It happened. Because when God says something is going to happen, it happens. When God makes up his mind to do something, there's no one in the world, there's nothing in the world that can stop him. All the laws of physics, all the laws of, 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 of probability, and all the laws of chance surrender and submit to the sovereign will of God. All the laws of biology, of science, of astronomy, everything bows to the will of God. You say, well, how does that work? It's just like Monopoly. I like how I tie these things in, right? Monopoly has about 40 versions of that game. Do, do you, if you roll three doubles in a row, do you go to jail or do you not go to jail? When you go into the uh, uh, free parking, do you, do you take the money in the middle or do you not take the money in the middle? If you roll a double, does that mean you get to go again or not go again? 40 different versions of that game. But you know which version we're playing? Whosever house you're playing it in. My house, my rules. The reason why God is, every, is able to bend every law to his will is because, look around, y'all. It's his house. His house, his rules. And so if he says it, we're all playing by his rules. He's sovereign. He's in control. There's nothing that God wants to do that God cannot do. Now, there's something you need to know about God's sovereign will. God's sovereign will is always capital G good. Always capital G good, but sometimes there's some not so good things in it, lowercase g. What I mean by that, the purpose is always good. The ultimate purpose of God's will is always good. It's good, capital G, overall ultimate good. But sometimes some bad things happen, or God allows some bad things to happen to accomplish ultimate good. The best example of this is Jesus, Acts chapter 2. Put it up on the screen, Acts chapter 2, verse 23 through 23. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan. Whose plan was it to hand over God, to hand over Jesus? God, right? And foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Now, what you have to understand is that Jesus dying on the cross was not so good. That was a terrible moment. It was painful. There was a lot of hurt. But if he had not died on the cross, we would not be here today. Our sins would still be here today. But all of our sins were wiped out. Humanity was saved. That was the ultimate good that happened through the not-so-good actions. Saving the world was Jesus's, and this is the word we're going to use in this analogy, 
of, of a journey was Jesus's destiny. I want you to write down destiny in your little map here. Destiny. Jesus's destiny was good, but he had to go through some not so good things in his life to achieve that good destiny. Why is this encouraging? Because I want you to know you have a destiny. And you don't just have a destiny, you have a good destiny. The thing that God has planned for you is good. There are some theologians that don't believe this. Some theologians believe that there are actually people in the world who are destined to die. Destined for failure. Destined for hell. We don't believe that here in this church. I'm sorry. The God that I serve wouldn't be that kind of God. And this is what the scriptures say to support it. So that you know, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us. Not what? Not what? Willing that any should perish. He doesn't want anybody to die. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, and they are plans for? And they are plans for? And not for disaster, to give you hope in the future. Now, here's what you got to understand about Jeremiah 29, 11. When he writes that, he's writing that to people who are currently slaves. They're currently going through slavery. They're currently going through situation, and they're freaking out because they're looking, hey, everything around me, life is getting really hard right now. And God is looking back at them and saying, don't worry about this. I got a plan. And I want to tell you, if there's anybody here this morning who's kind of freaked out by some of the circumstances, some of the situations that are surrounding you, maybe something you heard of the doctors or something your marriage is going through or something a friend has told you, I know it's scary, but don't freak out. He's got a plan, and it's good. What you're going through might not be so good right now, but everything you're going through is going to accomplish something that is good. When Jesus was carrying the cross and going through that pain, what, was it you, what is it you think that got him through that? It was his eyes were locked on the good. His eyes were locked on the good. If you're taking notes, write this down. Do not let discomfort distract you from your destiny. Do not let discomfort distract you from your destiny. God has got a plan. You're going somewhere. I don't care what any people say. I don't care what the world looks like. I don't care if it looks impossible like Abraham, impossible like Moses, impossible like Isaiah. My God operates in the world of impossibilities. Everything that looks like a foregone conclusion is not with God gets in the picture. He can fix it. He's good. He's real good. And now here's the thing about God's good plan, though. Just like we don't believe that anyone is, is, is destined to fail no matter what, we also believe that people aren't destined to win no matter what. There is something you have to do. Here's what Jeremiah 29, 13 says, the verse right after that. i got a good plan for you if you look for me. i got a good plan for you if you look for me. In other words, God's saying, i got a good thing for you waiting right here. All you, and I made it real easy. All you got to do is follow the plan. Is follow the plan. But how do I follow the plan? Where do I start? That's where the second level of God's will comes in. And this is the revealed will of God. So we have the sovereign will of God, and now we have the revealed will of God. And, and the revealed will works just like a GPS. If I don't know where to go, I need to put in my machine so that I can get what? Directions. So in your little map here, write down. Directions, the revealed will of God are the directions towards your destiny. Now, you are looking at the silver medal of achievement winner in the Christian Boy Scouts program called Royal Rangers. Silver medal of achievement. Thank you. 
took many years, much hard work. I'm famous, yeah, super metal. Um, they taught us a lot of stuff that was not so helpful, like knots. The only time I ever used a knot, true story, was to throw my sister off a balcony. She's right here in the front. She'll tell you she survived and the knot worked. But there was something that they taught me that was very helpful, and it was how to find north. You could look at the north star. You could find out what direction the moss is growing on because it usually grows on the north side of the tree. You can find where the sun sets because the sun uh, rises in the east, sets in the west. And so you can determine your, your, your direction by, uh, by north and, and uh, by from that. And that's helpful. That's helpful today when I don't know where I am. I'm like, I live north. I'm going to just get on whatever highway number north. <laughs> and eventually I'll get there, right? And that's the thing about direction. Direction is so cool because with direction, you don't have to know exactly where you're going. And you don't even have to know exactly where you are as long as you have the direction. Like, I remember getting into an argument with my commander. He said, if you get lost in camp, if you get lost in the woods, know that camp is north. I said, that's great, but where's camp? He said, it's north. I said, yes, you mentioned that, and I got that, but where's camp? He said, it's north. I said, but I need to know where is camp. He said, you, you don't need to know where it is. All you need to know is the general direction, and you'll hit it if you head in the general direction. This, why do I tell that? Because some people are waiting for God to make clear the destiny before you ever move. And God says, I'm not going to tell you the destiny. I'm just going to give you the direction. Your job is to follow the directions, and eventually you'll get to the destiny. But why doesn't God just give me the destiny? That would be great, because if God gave you the destiny, you would take a shortcut to your destiny, and you wouldn't be prepared to receive your destiny when you got it. For example, let's say God wants you to start a business. You say, God will just tell me now that you want me to start a business, and I'll quit McDonald's and go start the business. But God says, but if you quit McDonald's, you won't understand what it means to get paid $8 an hour, and you won't appreciate the business when you get it. And so I got take you through some things so that when you get here, you're ready to live in here. We want the destiny. God says, I'm not going to give you the destiny. I'm going to give you the direction. Are you willing to walk when you don't have the destiny? Where all you have is directions. Here's what God told Abraham. This is how it works, y'all. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that what? Excuse me, God? You want me to leave my family and go where? I'll show you. What you mean you'll show me? I want the latitude. I want the longitude. And if you're, while you're at it, also throw in the time and date. Because that would be great. It just rhymed. If you give me the time and the date, that would be great. And God says, no, 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 no. Just follow the, just head that way. Just head that way, and when you get there, see, because the thing is, if I, if, how many people, how many single people in the room? Yeah, it'd be real easy to stay pure in your singleness if you knew the exact day of your wedding. True or not true? You'd be like, just 13 months left. <laughs> 13 months, five days, three hours, six minutes. I'm good. But you miss the whole character building process that happens in the waiting so that when you, right, God gives you direction. He doesn't give you that. And, we, and the direction is something that we used to call in Rangers, we used to call it your true heading. 
because our commander said it didn't matter what was going on around you as long as you knew the one thing that was true, everything else would eventually make sense. Now, revealed will of God, true heading. If only there was some type of collection of truths. I mean, if only God was so good that he would put everything true, like, in a book. Like, and then he would give us that book, and he would put numbers on that book. And if he wrapped that book, like, in leather, and, 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 and if he turned that book into an app, and it would be great if he made it free, and it'd be great if he put, like, Bible reading plans on that book. If only there were a collection of truths to guide me when I wasn't sure of where to go. Oh, you mean the Bible. Yes, I mean the Bible. Here's what the Bible says in Timothy. Throw it up. All scripture is God-breath given by divine inspiration and is profitable for learning to live in conformity to God's will. Here's what it says in Psalms. Let's throw up Psalms. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my past. I promised it once and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. God's revealed will is the scripture. He tells us in the Bible what he wants to do and he expects us to follow his word. And this is huge. Because when you learn to follow the directions, the revealed will of God, it helps you overcome the most controversial and most questioned will of God, which is the hidden will of God. The hidden will of God. And here's so that it goes with directions and destiny. It all starts with D. You know it's good preaching when everything starts with the same letter. Makes it easy to remember. These your decisions or your steps. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people are waiting for God to give them their decision. But here's the truth. You need to grab this. God, God is more concerned with your direction than your decision. Did you hear me? I said, God is more concerned with your direction than your decision. About three years ago, I had two job offers. One was to work in Orlando as a youth pastor, and one was to move to Springfield, Missouri. Big, big position, big role. I'll share that story in the fourth week. Um, because the fourth week, we're going to talk about what happens if you feel like you've missed God's will. You don't want to miss God. No. I met with my pastor. I told him, pastor, I said, I got two decisions to make. I said, one is to go to Springfield and lead youth ministry on a national level. The other one is to be a youth pastor here in this church. And I don't know what to do. He said like this. He said it real quiet and slowly, which made it sound real wise and deep. He said, so you're telling me you have to choose between serving God in Springfield and serving God in Orlando? I said, yeah, what do I do? He said, I got the answer. I said, give it to me. He said, whatever you want. 
I said, no, nah, that can't be true. Because I was taught that there was one will from my life, and there was one thing God wanted me to do. He said, Jay, you're choosing between 10 degrees north and 5 degrees north. North is north. We're all concerned about God. Show me the exact step. And God's like, I don't care. What I care about is are you headed in the right direction? Are you doing what's in the word? Are you moving this way? Because if you move this way, I could redeem what's this way. If you move this way. Are you willing to follow God's direction, even when you don't know what the decisions are? If we get so cut up with decisions, we don't understand God's more concerned with our direction. Here's what I want you to write down. If we do what we know, eventually we'll know what to do. Say it again, Patrick. That's good. Boom. Did you hear me? If you do what you know, eventually you'll know what to do. Look what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Fill it up. Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, say that word with me. Whatever be done in the name of the Master Jesus, thanking God every step of the way. God says, listen, as long as it's in the way of Jesus, just do what you know, and eventually you'll know what to do. I don't know if I should take that promotion at my work. Okay. Do they make you work Sundays? Yeah. I, I, I know God wants you to church on Sunday. So do what you know, and then you'll know what to do. Do I, do I, do I, oh, oh, this is a good one. Do I, um, is this the one for me? Do I marry this person? I don't know. But you know what the Bible says? It says that sex is something that should be safe for marriage. And so here's the deal. Do what you know. Withhold yourself. If he leaves, the next step's going to be real clear. If he stays, the next step's going to be clear. When you do what you know, eventually you know what to do. Is it time for divorce? We've been married for so many years. It's gone so long. You know what? I can't take it anymore. I just want to end this. It's over. I, I, I think this is done. Does God want me to get a divorce? I don't know. But let me ask you this question. I'll talk to the woman and I'll talk to the husband. Woman, are you submitted to your husband? Because the Bible says that you have to submit to your husband. I mean, that, that means that you have to kind of not, you have to be okay to not be in charge. I didn't make that up. The Bible said that. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. But for all the ladies, I'm going to give something to the guys real quick. Hey, guys, I know you feel like your wife's annoying and all that, but you know what the Bible says about you? The Bible says you have to die for your wife. So let me ask you a question. Before anybody starts talking about divorce, are you submitting and are you dying? Before we get into are you submitting and are you dying? Because until you do what you know, you're not going to know what you do. Listen, the problem is we want God's help with our decisions, but we won't follow his directions. God's help with our decisions, but we refuse to follow God's directions. And God's like, don't make a mystery out of something I made plain. I made this plain. Follow my... You don't uncover your future. You discover God's ways. And as you discover God's ways, your future begins to reveal itself. That's what I can help you with. People come to me all the time, like I said, for counseling. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Man, I don't know. Hey, should I go to this college? Listen, I don't know, but can I be honest with you? I don't know that God cares what college you go to. Here's what I think God cares about, the way you go to college. When you get there, how will you live your life? I have one guy come and say, I don't know what college to go to. I said, all right, man. Hey, let me ask you, before we get into any of that, how's your prayer life? 
Are you loving the Lord? No, not really. I got this college thing in my mind right now. And I'm like, I want to tell you this. God is more concerned about your prayer life than your manger. He really, really, really is. We got to be willing to follow God's will. Even when it doesn't make sense, follow His direction. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.